Welcome to the Blue Economy Podcast, presented by Rhode Island, the Ocean State. I'm your host, David Hirschman, and on today's episode, we sat down with Matt Morgan, the CEO of Boston-based Freight Flows. Freight Flows is a data platform that provides actionable maritime market intelligence for traders, shippers, owners, and brokers. And he spoke with us about what he thinks it will take to make innovation truly take hold in shipping, as well as the possibility that a company like Amazon might come in and unify the industry's data. Welcome to the podcast, Matt. Um, Cool. Well, welcome to the podcast, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, So first, give me a little bit of background about you. You know, how did you get interested in maritime? Where did the idea for freight flows come out of? I I think it's really inevitable. Um, Everyone in my family went to sea. My father was an oil tanker ship captain for 20 years and ran the Port of Los Angeles Pilot Station and construction and maintenance. Uh, And everyone else were Merchant Marines, Cal Maritime Academy, and uh, U.S. Coast Guard. You know, I was the uh, the odd duck that was studying computer science on the beach in California, but I just couldn't stay away. And so after (laughs) after spending time in enterprise tech, uh, ultimately, I I found myself about 15 years ago uh, working for a maritime company based down in Venezuela and um, and just taking what I know from the the tech side of, uh, of, of the industry and enterprise tech, just it's been fascinating working in the space over the years and, and understanding how much opportunity there is. And so, um, yeah, I've really loved, loved my time exploring. And, and plus, we're just at this point in time in, in the maritime world where so much data is coming available and compute power is getting cheap enough that we can do so much more now that uh, it's just very exciting. Well, so tell me a little bit about where I guess the idea for freight flows came from, or kind of how you got into it. Absolutely. So I've um, so I've been working now in maritime tech or blue tech, as we call it now, for 15 years, and been part of previous startups where we uh, raised cash and we were able to build out um, supply chain visibility platforms. And we ended up selling a, a previous startup to a commodities market intelligence company. And so that got us much deeper into uh, moving from uh, the container shipping world to the bulk shipping world and really understanding how it works and, and you know, what the downsides are, how competitive it is and fragmented it is, and, and starting to learn so many areas that it could improve uh, and gain more efficiency really got me thinking about what could we do or what kind of impact could better efficiency in this in this space have on the world. Um, maritime transportation accounts for nearly 4% of global climate change emissions. And if we were equipped with better decision-making information at each of the different stages in the supply chain and from each of the different participants, uh, we think that there is a significant impact that we can have around the utilization uh, of fleets and better better management of the entire supply chain by having database decision making. And so we sought out to build the system that could power much better uh, data decision making for what's happening with uh, your business right now, today, and what's going to be happening tomorrow and what's happening in the next 14 days. And so focusing on that kind of near-term market forecast information and and fleet forecast information is where we thought that we could affect the biggest change. And is it hard to get this kind of data? I mean, a lot of kind of these ships are, you know, one of the things that I find sort of fascinating about the maritime industry is that like there's all these ships in all these different places around the world running on different systems and that don't necessarily talk to each other or report the same kind of data. Like, is it hard to kind of aggregate all of that? 
Well, there's no shortage of data that exists in the shipping industry. And the problem is getting your, your hands on it, right? It's, it's so much of it is locked up within customer systems. Uh, and, and for a long time, the, the thought in, in maritime world was, uh, we'll need this data sooner or later. So just keep, keep storing it down or keep, keep putting it in the buckets. Uh, and they see a lot of value of having that data. But the value isn't in the quantity of the data. The value is in what the data can tell you. And the value is trying to ask the right questions because if, if you're interested in, in hiring a company or hiring a data scientist to go find you value in your data, you're going to have a bad time. You need to start with the question of what do I want this data to tell me? What, what are the questions that I need answered? And then find ways to go get the data to support uh, and find those questions. So getting access to uh, the data has to start with what questions am I looking to have answered? So uh, there are a lot of public data sources that obviously help us a lot, uh, AIS data being one of them, but AIS data by itself is not that immensely useful from a uh, global perspective. Um, now, this is coming from someone who worked at an AIS company, right? But uh, so don't uh, don't let the, my previous employers hear this. But the uh, you know this is a product that is a dots on a map product, a fire hose product, and it's we found that it's very difficult to get people to use. Um, the entire system of data to make better uh, decisions about about the, uh, the world's economies and and what's happening out there in the world's of commercial trade because just like Twitter with their fire hose, it doesn't mean anything until you bring in the context uh, uh, what the those dots on a map mean mean when taken together. So uh, something like AIS data helps us frame the entire uh, world's data into something that has more meaning, like voyages and port operations. And once you have those buckets, that's when you can go out and start to enrich it with information from our customers who are bringing in uh, their commercial details in or from, you know, weather and how that's impacting those, those buckets. And, and then once you have a, a rich set of information, well-structured, that's how you can begin to start moving the needle forward in time and, and make predictions about what you think is going to happen next. And so do, do clients come to you with like very specific questions that they want answered or is it, uh, or do you sort of provide like a kind of a set of data that you think is interesting to a large group of people? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that it's hard for uh, a, a customer to come forward with a very specific uh, question that they want answered for the data because they, a lot of times they see data as the panacea for uh, all their, uh, to get all their questions answered. And the fact is, is we have to say no to a lot of people uh, who are coming with questions because while, while from our data, we believe we can answer those questions, for us building a small, a small uh, company like ours, early stage startup, we, we're interested in building things that are highly repeatable to start with. And, you know, down the line, we can be everything to sure. everyone, but that's, that's not going to be happening now. So uh, we're focused more on, on people who have, or customers that have um, a similar problem statement around their business. Here is a part of our business that is running inefficient today, or we just spend too much time on, or we feel we're leaving a lot on the table, uh, say around like the chartering decisions. Um, this chartering decision is taking us a long time. Uh, we're working with these ship brokers. These ship brokers have varying levels of, of, uh, of aptitude. Some are great and some are not so great. Uh, but they're quantifying their performance based on their ability to get them information about the market. You know, how many people do they know? How much yeah. about the markets can they share with them? Uh, but everyone has their own interests in this. And, and 
from shipbroking to uh, cargo owners to commercial operators, everyone is looking to achieve something different. Uh, and to that end, uh, you know, us as putting together data to be an independent provider in the space, we're hoping to provide data that can can that everybody can agree upon and be the baseline to to benchmark uh, prices, to benchmark available available vessels, a, a benchmark performance at the port level or the fleet level. Uh, so we are trying to focus on answering questions uh, for our customers based on that. Let's have a common uh, set of data to to refer to so we can actually agree upon the world's uh, the, the world of data as it is now. Well, so, you know, you were saying a little bit about this before, um, but, you know, tell me a little bit about what it's like to build a blue tech startup these days. I mean, this, you know, blue tech is obviously a very hot sort of sector right now. Uh, is it harder or easier to get in front of the right people? And, you know, what kind of feedback do you get? I think that we're really lucky in the Northeast United States because we have uh, some coalescing of a lot of different groups and initiatives that support the innovation ecosystem specifically around the blue economy. Uh, Massachusetts or Maine and Rhode Island, uh, we all have, Mass, uh, Connecticut as well, we all have differ, different specializations you know, from fishing to ocean sustainability to um, to uh, bulk cargoes. Uh, there, there's, there's a lot that's here and we can all rally behind this idea of blue tech. And so you've got great organizations that are, are uh, helping to support that for, uh, for startups and, and uh, for founders who are looking to uh, exercise their their idea and have support to do that. I think where we fall short is around uh, funding those those businesses because uh, if you look to the venture capital world um, and you look to institutional um, investors, you know they they invest in what they know, and uh, I would say that they know a lot more about technology that exists outside of, of our space. Or if we're talking retail, or we're talking um, you know online software development or SaaS business models. But but it's I'm hard pressed to find groups that have experience in in our space uh, from the larger um, larger institutional funds. But they're dipping their toe in. You know, they've begun with uh, with funding transportation, logistics, and supply chain companies that that they can see and feel and touch. So from trucking uh, to forwarding, uh, you know, things that that they can they have direct line of sight with, and they can they can understand. But when you talk about something opaque like uh, ships moving, you know, around the world, it just gets a lot more difficult for them to. Uh, run through their diligence and understand if this is a, a good deal for their investment or not. And so I find that a lot of my discussions around uh, teaching uh, about the industry and, and less so about uh, talking about the business and why it makes sense for them uh, as an investor. So that's okay. Uh, we'll get there. I think we just have to put up, uh, put up first and keep signing customers to, to gain the kind of attention we need. And, and I hope that there are a lot more startups that that are out there and able to do that as well so we can get more attention and funding in the space. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the, I guess one big question right now is, you know, has COVID-19 changed your kind of battle action plan um, at all? Or, or has it made it, uh, you know, parts of your business more interesting than they were before? That kind of thing. Well, personally, COVID has had a, a big hit on us and the development of the, of the business as, 
Uh, I, I am the father of two young kids and suddenly the kids were at home full time. And that's, that's really difficult, especially as a startup when you need to be lean and adaptable and, uh, and develop and build constantly. Um, that's, that sometimes can be certainly is, is very difficult, but, um, the, the good news is, is while everyone took a breath at the beginning, took a beat to understand how was COVID-19 affecting their, their business and their industry, I think that after the initial scare, they found, well, the world's economy marches on. You know, there's, people still need to heat their homes. People still need to eat. And they, they need to find ways to, uh, to, to continue their everyday life. And so on the maritime world, we, we must continue on. And so I, I think that we are finding a lot more opportunities to work with, with um, uh, our customers who are feeling this pain as well and, and are feeling the pressure to get much better at what they're doing to weather yet another storm. We're, we're no, uh, you know, this isn't the first time our, our industry has had to weather storms. And so I, I think that we're experts at it. So, you know, I, I probably say this a lot on the podcast, but one of the things I find interesting about the shipping industry is how retro a lot of parts of it are. Um, you know, with all around the world, a lot of ships still operate. Many of them uh, operate the same way they did for hundreds of years, you know. Um, and, you know, I guess there's like an information gap and they, they don't communicate with each other particularly well. Um, do you find uh, the shipping industry is getting closer to getting into innovation and, you know, kind of like more, more accepting of kind of the need to modernize and that kind of thing. Yeah. I think a lot of people have talked about the aging out that's happened in the industry or, um, or, or you, you hear about people at, at these companies who uh, have grown up in, in uh, tech, in technology and, and know how much it impacts their, their uh, personal lives and their professional lives. So I think it's, it, it is inevitable. Uh, but, uh, and I think that there is going to be significant impacts in our industry. Uh, we've been a laggard in the industry for several reasons. Uh, I think from, from a tech perspective, um, number one, just the fragmentation of the business in general is, and the coordination required to, uh, have it move on is, is difficult. It's difficult to apply a deep technical, technical, uh, systems or marketplaces where, uh, all the coordination can happen between so many different entities. It's just difficult uh, to do that. And you've, you find that you don't have big companies that have runaway success um, in, in the space from a technical perspective because how do you get buy-in from so many different competing interests and so many different competing parties all at once to affect the whole supply chain? It's, it's an incredibly difficult um, process. However, I think that there will be some key innovations that will force the hand of uh, a lot of the industry. And, and I think the pressure is coming from the, um, the cargo owners and the shippers who themselves are becoming much more technically advanced. And the pressure is being pushed across service providers and commercial operators and shiproking and and, uh, and the pressure is there um, to, to provide these kind of services to uh, to their customers. And frankly, the ones who can't adapt and provide those types of services that their customers uh, desire are going to find that they're, they're going to lag behind uh, the rest. And, and then, you know, further consolidation may occur or 
uh, or we might find some unification on, on systems where, where we can all conduct uh, similar businesses in one place, you know, the way Amazon's done it with, uh, with e-commerce in the United States and abroad, uh, or the way, um, you know, Uber has done it with, with taxis and, uh, and the shared economy. I think that we're going to have a similar revolution in, in the maritime space, um, but no one knows where it's going to come from. Uh, for, for us, we're happy to be the data providers to empower that, that system to, to happen. You know, as long as we can structure and organize the world's information uh, that, that powers our, our economy uh, our, on the maritime side, we think that we have a great head start in, in enabling that, that business to happen. Um, but we'll see where, where, where it hits. But uh, I hope that it will be a system that, that brings in all of the uh, participants to contribute to it. So you don't have a system that's looking to disintermediate shipbroking. Why shouldn't shipbrokers be a part of the solution? You know, and I think that there is a deep fear there that that is an industry that's, that might get pushed aside as we see broke, broking, uh, uh, or, or broking happen in other industries as well. I mean, again, with yes. the Uber or in real estate and, and uh, I don't think that that's going to be the solution uh, or that's what's going to happen on the maritime side. There's just too much knowledge locked up within uh, that community for it not to have a big impact. And I think that they just uh, will need to be part of the solution as long as they're willing to take that chance. So do you, do you have any uh, predictions for uh, who will be the Amazon or Uber of, uh, of shipping? Well, I mean... Amazon's going to be the Amazon of shipping. <laughs> I mean, they, they're taking over the world. I mean, uh, you know, just how we said that, or I said earlier that, that customers and their ability to innovate and, and grow have, have really started to shape the industry. Well, when, when we can't react to that, Amazon's just going to keep eating the supply chain and they're just going to keep taking it over. And, and pretty soon they're going to be the ones who are dictating it. So I think the one that will succeed in, in revolutionizing the industry is the one that's going to force us all to agree upon definition and what is uh, a voyage, what is an arrival, what, uh, what is, uh, you know, how do we quantify loads and discharges and how do we quantify rates and contracts and all of those I think are are very difficult today for us all to agree upon because we all are speaking apples to oranges when we're trying to discuss the same same thing. So once someone comes in with with a system that allows us to speak the same language, that's really going to enable a big change. Thank you for listening to the Blue Economy podcast presented by Rhode Island, the Ocean State. And thanks again to Matt Morgan from Freight Flows for taking the time. If you want to learn more about the show or catch up on past episodes, visit our website at www.blueeconomypodcast.com or follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. From beautiful Providence, Rhode Island, I'm David Hirschman. Thanks again for listening.